Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right. Well, this morning, I'm excited about this series. We're kicking off a brand new series today that we're going to hang out in for five weeks. And in this series, we're going to talk about the topic of worship. We're going to discover, we're going to dig down deep into the Word of God. We're going to look at numerous examples in the Word of God, and we're going to discover what does worship mean for us today. In fact, we're titling the series, Made to Worship. Did you know that that we were created to worship? The problem is, many of us in today's culture, we feel that need to worship with so many cheap substitutes, right? We find ourselves worshiping power, authority. We find ourselves worshiping material items, people, circumstances, even our job. In fact, anything that takes the place of God in our worship, anything that we give more time to, the time that God deserves, those things become the idol that we worship. Now, we read through the Bible, and many times, especially in the Old Testament, we read where false religions, people were worshiping idols and we look at that and we think, wow, we don't have idols in our day. We, we don't have little statues that we carry around that, that, that we pray to and all of these things. But I want you to know we may not have a little statue, but we have things that we elevate as a higher priority than God. So in essence, yes, we've created idols in our lives and we end up worshiping those things and giving those items or those situations or those people the worship that only God deserves. I'm going to challenge you in this series to be here every single week. You see, here's the deal. Worship is more than just a 20-minute time period in our service. Yes, what we just experienced in this moment as the worship team was up here, and by the way, they did a fantastic job of leading us in this moment of worship. Yeah, yeah. But here's what I want you to understand. Worship is more than just that 20-minute Christian karaoke moment. Come on. Worship is what are you going to do while at work? What are you going to do while you're at the grocery store? What are you going to do while you're experiencing that hobby, whatever it happens to be? What are you going to do while you're at home and with the family? Are you allowing those moments to be opportunities to give God praise, to honor him, and to worship him? See, worship should be a lifestyle. It's more than just a 20-minute moment on a Sunday morning. It's more than just an hour-long service on a Wednesday night. It's a heart of worship. I remember many years ago, a, a gentleman by the name of Matt Redman wrote a song called Heart of Worship. It's so in the early days of, of worship as, as, a, as a church, we begin to press forward and 
As the story goes, his church had gotten so enthralled in this idea of the band and the music and everything going on that that became what they were worshiping. They were worshiping that moment, that experience, and they had lost track of why they worshiped. So they cut it all back, bare bones, and they begin to sing, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Did you know our worship is all about him? I love our worship team, but it's not about them. It's not about how cool these two guitars played that duet together this morning. It's not about that. It's not about how these vocalists found the harmony parts and crafted it together and, and sang and, and worked off one another and, and pulled that off. It's not about that. See, see, our worship is about giving honor and praise to God. It's about focusing in on the one who has done everything for us. Just last Sunday, we celebrated the fact that Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave to give you hope, to give you a future. That's what our worship is about. Some of us, we, we'd rather just sit back and and let the world pass. But, but I want you to know that we were all created to worship. Introvert and extrovert alike. Because worship isn't necessarily just that loud, boisterous person like me. I, I get a little boisterous. It happens. That, that's just my nature. That's who I am. But worship is just that heart. Lord, I, I'm coming back to that heart of worship. Lord, I'm coming back to that moment of just giving you honor. God, I'm going to put everything else to the side. God, I'm going to remove the distractions. And Lord, in this time period, I'm just going to give you praise. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the flutes. Praise him with the clash of the cymbals. Praise him with the loud clanging of cymbals. Let everything that has breath sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want you to grab a hold of something here. Who is the psalmist telling us that it's supposed to praise the Lord? Those that have breath. Everybody do this when we go. Guess what? <laughs> That's you. That's you. We have been called by God to give him praise. 13 times in six verses, the psalmist says, praise. Give God praise. This word praise, is we get, get it from the word halal, 
We take that a little further and we say hallelujah. Hallelujah means halal or praise and yah, which is God, so it's praise God. It's not in reference to a single song. It's not in reference to a time period in a service, but it's a crazy exuberant or celebration of praise to God. That's what halal means. A crazy exuberance or celebration of praise. Some go as far as to say this. It's the highest form of praise. So today, for the next few moments, I want to share with you two levels of preparing the way for worship. Number one is this. Prepare the way in our personal lives. You're responsible of preparing that spiritual pathway for yourself. I mean, I've heard people say this over and over. Well, I don't go to such and such church that I'm not being fed. Can I just tell you something? That's like saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to that restaurant again because I didn't get any food. I'm not going to go to that buffet anymore because when I walked up to that buffet and I stood in front of that buffet, it never fed me. Did you know that sometimes you got to pick up that fork? See, worship is an action. Worship is something that you choose to do. Lord, I'm going to give you my halal. God, I'm going to give you that exuberant praise. God, I'm going to worship you for who you are. Lord, not just in a 20-minute span on a Sunday, but Lord, I'm going to let your praise be well up inside of me, God, that every step that I take, Lord, I begin to exude who you are to the world around me. Lord, I want to give you praise, so God, I prepare that way. Look what Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. This word plead literally means to urge. There's an urgency in the tone. The King James Version says it this way, I beseech thee. One of my favorite words in the King James Version. I beseech thee, I urge you, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever done anything for you? Oh, come on. Come on. If you're here this morning, you say, I don't know that God's ever done anything in my life. I challenge you, step into his presence. Offer yourself to him. Turn yourself to him. Surrender yourself to him. In that moment, God begins to turn things around. God begins to lead you on a new path. God begins to direct you in a new focus. God gives you an opportunity to truly live life. And in this moment, uh, Paul is saying, I urge you to give your bodies to God for all that he has done for you. Then he says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Let them. Let them. Two small, simple words that tell us that we have a choice. But he urges us to allow our lives, to to give opportunity for our lives to give God praise. He says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
God desires that our lives are a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice. We aren't to give God what's dead. We aren't to give God a lifeless sacrifice. We're not to give him the leftovers. We're not to give him a marred mess. But we are to live a life that is set apart for a purpose. After all, the Bible clearly tells us that we are, we are to be holy as he is holy. Come on. Now understand this. It doesn't say be perfect as he is perfect. He, he, he is perfect. But he understands that, that we, we will never achieve that level of perfection. Why? Because the Bible also tells us that we all mess up. We all falter. But he says, be holy as he is holy. Holy literally means that we are to be set apart and different from the world. Now, right now, the world would like to cause us or encourage us to morph into their belief system, their standards, how they've twisted and morphed the word of God. But church, understand this. This has to be our standard. Not bits and pieces. Not I'll take this and I'll take this, but I'm going to leave that portion alone. There's a reason why God gave us the entire book. So this is our standard of living. This is what we base our life upon, not the opinion of the world, not the whim of society, not the pouting of society. Come on. Sorry, I'm filtering right now. <laughs> It's easy to say when you're sitting out there. <laughs> we as a church must be careful that we allow who God is to steer us. That we stay in pursuit of a holy lifestyle, a lifestyle that is pleasing to him rather than morphing into what the world would want us to be. If you go on in verse 2 of this scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, be ye therefore transformed. Come on, that means it's not natural for us to be holy as he is holy because we have this old sinful nature on the inside. But be transformed by allowing God to renew something inside of us, allowing God to breathe new life into uh, who we are. You see, that's what we're talking about here. It's not this idea of conforming to the world, but this idea of being transformed into a new person by allowing God to change the way we think, the way we move, the way we focus, and what we're involved in. We, you see, our heart's desire should be to live a life that is set apart for a purpose, and that purpose is to give God praise. So how do we do that? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God 
above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above earthly pleasures. Seek the kingdom of God above the, the approval of society. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, it says, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. This word seek literally means to seek in order to find. In other words, there's a pursuit. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take motivation. It's going to take a willful decision to move in a direction, to seek the very face of God. But here's what I've discovered. The more that we press in for more of God, the more of him we realize there is to find. Come on, that should have made some of you say amen. The more that we press in for more of God, the more of him we realize there is to find. God desires, grab a hold of this, he desires to fill you to overflowing with more and more and more of him. Yet we must have a hunger, a desire to press in. It was A.W. Tozer in the book, Whatever Happened to Worship, that made this statement. Any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Wow. Let that sink in. Have you ever said, I just don't like worship. Don't raise your hand. A.W. Tozer said, any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. And I've shared this statement before, and every time I read it, it shakes me to the core because of the truth that it holds. See, if I move into Revelation chapter 4, we find a description of what worship's going to be like in heaven. I told you we were created to worship. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty. The one who always was, who is, and is still to come. You know, I chuckle because sometimes I hear church folk say, I can't believe they're singing that bridge again. <laughs> I think they've sung that bridge 17 times, Brittany. Move on, girl. <laughs> Can I just warn you? We're going to get to heaven. We're going to have this time, this moment in the presence of God when all we're declaring is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the one who is and was and is to come. And just when you think we're ready to move on to the course, we sing it again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. The one who was and is and is still to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord 
God Almighty. We're declaring that he is worthy of our praise. We're declaring that he is holy, that he is set apart, that he is different. And here on this earth, here in this world, this is our preparation ground. This is our opportunity to get ready to give him praise for all eternity. Day in and day out, day and night and night and day. This is our moment to give him praise. But we can't wait for heaven. We got to start now. John chapter 4 says it this way. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those. He's in pursuit of those that will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The word worship here denotes an action that is taken. It's showing up. It's bowing before him, whether physically or spiritually. It's bowing our hearts before him. It's going all in and saying, Lord, I hold nothing back. I give you the highest praise. I give you my halal. I worship you, almighty God. I join together with all of heaven, declaring you are holy. The Bible says that he begins to take residence in that praise as he's in pursuit of a true worshiper. But what is a true worshiper? Well, the word true denotes true in the sense it's real, it's ideal, it's genuine. Our worship to God must be a deep down, heartfelt worship. If it's anything less, listen carefully this morning, it simply is not the worship that the Lord seeks. How can I say that? Because we just read it. The time is here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those that will worship him that way. If all we do is come in here on a Sunday morning and, and give lip service, sing karaoke, if we don't apply worship to our day-to-day activities, it's simply not the worship that God seeks and pursues. If we're not true worshipers before God, then what we're doing is simply giving action or words without a purpose. We're just giving chatter. But what I've discovered is our worship to God can't be full pursuit today and then off tomorrow. God desires that we lay it all before him, not holding back, not putting on a front, but in all that we do in every situation, coming to him with a sincere, heartfelt worship day and night and night and day because worship, it's a lifestyle. It's a daily pursuit. Truth be told, God's not impressed by how many times you come to church. Oh, we need to be here. And I challenge you, be here every single week. This should be the place that you long, this should be the highlight of your week. 
Not because Encounter Church is something incredible, but because the presence of God is here. And where the presence of God is, the Bible says there is victory. This is the opportunity for us to come in week in and week out. I challenge you, make this moment a priority in your life. Put this above all the hobbies, all the school activities. Come on. Put this above just sleeping in. Because this is that prep ground. This is getting you ready because it's rough out there. Come on. This is your place. This is like the, the, the spiritual gas station. This is your opportunity to fill up with more of God. Preparing yourself for the week that is before us. Let's look at our second level. First level is preparing ourselves. The second is prepare the way in our church. Now, I want to go back to the Old Testament just for a moment. Um, there's a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Uh, Solomon has just finished building the temple. All the finishing, the final things have taken place. They brought in gifts of gold and, and silver and other items into the temple. The sacrifice was made. In fact, the Bible says the sacrifice was so large that they couldn't even count how many animals were in the sacrifice. This was a big ordeal. The Ark of the Covenant was brought in to the inner sanctuary. And here we are in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 11, and it says this, Then the priest left the holy place. All the priests, say all. All the priests who were present had purified themselves. In other words, every single priest that came that day the Bible goes on to say whether they were on duty that day or not, whether they had responsibilities, whether they were part of the serve team or not, come on somebody. Yeah. They, they prepared themselves. And the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Jedithon, and all the sons and brothers were dressed in fine linen robes. They stood at the east side of the altar playing cymbals and lyres and harps. They were joined together by 120 priests who were playing trumpets. The trumpeters and the singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to God, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and other instruments. They raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. Very quickly, let me give you three things that I see happening in this preparation time. Number one, we must get ourselves ready. Look at your neighbor today and say, get ready. If you're watching online, put it in the chat. Get ready. We must get ourselves ready. I'm not responsible to get you ready. You are not responsible to get the person next to you ready. 
It said all the priests prepared themselves, purified themselves. It didn't say this guy helped this guy and this guy helped that guy. No, each one of them prepared themselves. All the priests who were present had purified themselves whether they were on duty that day or not. Second Chronicles clearly shows us that all the priests purified themselves. The word purified literally means to be set apart, to prepare, to keep. Now, priests understood the importance of this preparation time period before a service. So whether they were serving or not, they were ready. Now, it would be easy for us today in this room to go, well, pastor, that doesn't apply to me because I'm not a priest. Well, I think we got to look back at Leviticus chapter 11. You see, this same word is used when God is talking with Moses and Aaron. He says, share this information with my people. In Leviticus eleven forty four, he says, for I am the Lord your God, you must... Come on, it's imperative that. It's vitally important that you must consecrate yourself and be holy. You must prepare yourself. You must be set apart. You must keep yourself on this path of holiness. Church, before we can function as God has called us to, we've got to prepare the way. The second observation I see is this. We must move forward with one purpose and goal. We must move forward with one purpose and one goal. As a church, this is one of our core values. We are unifiers, not dividers. Look what it says in verse 13. The trumpeters and singers perform together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Can, can I just tell you that singing in unison is incredibly difficult? I used to be a choir teacher. One of the most difficult things is to get the choir to sing unison together because everybody's got a different timbre to their voice. Everybody's got a different vowel shape to their mouth. So all of these things, they've got different vibratos going on. So trying to put unison together and move forward in one unison tone is very, very difficult. But as a church, it's one of the things that we value. We are unifiers. We're not dividers. In other words, we desire, we long to move forward with one purpose and one goal. Truth be told, if we allow the enemy the opportunity for division, he will take it every single time. Now, if you go to the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the fifth book of the New Testament, we find the launching of the early church. Now, this was accomplished, I believe, because of two main things that were taking place. Number one, they were seeking the face of God more than ever before. They were in the upper room. They were calling out to God. They were seeking his face. They were allowing God's presence to fill them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But the second thing I want you to grab a hold of this is this. They were moving together in unison. Over and over in the book of Acts, it says they were in one accord. 
By the way, did you know that the Honda was the very first automobile ever created? Yeah, the disciples were in one accord. Let's move on. They had one purpose. They had one goal. In the church, there's no room for division. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 6, it says that division or divisive nature is one of the things that the Lord detests. He can't stomach it when the church body begins to implode from the inside. I don't know about you, but I want to do everything I can to foster a move of the presence of God. We need him more today than ever before. Therefore, we've got to prepare ourselves. We've got to prepare the church. We've got to move together in unison. Does that mean that we'll agree on everything? No, we've all got an opinion. But we must understand that we can't allow an opinion to cause division. But we've got to move forward with the purpose and the desire to reach the lost, to reach the world for God. So we've got to get ourselves ready. We've got to move forward in unison. And number three, we must allow worship to guide our service. In this first worship service in the temple, they began by honoring and acknowledging the very presence of God. Likewise, our worship every single week must begin with this time of giving praise and thanks to God. Admitting, Lord, we desire you more than anything else. So yeah, we begin our services, every single service, with this time of setting the atmosphere. Truth be told, if we were all prepared spiritually, we wouldn't need to do that. We could just come in and we could dive right into the Word of God. But truth be told, leading up to Sunday morning, and sometimes including Sunday morning, there's a lot of chaos in our lives. There's a lot of junk blocking this connect. So we spend this time just giving God praise. In our story in Second Chronicles, it says that they all prepared themselves. They moved forward in unison, every single one of them. And with one voice, one heart, one desire, they declared that God is holy, that God is faithful, that his love endures forever. And the Bible goes on to say, in that moment, at that moment, something extraordinary happened. As they were in unison lifting their voice, the Bible says, at that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. The presence of the Lord was so real. But understand this, it did not happen before the preparation. It didn't happen 
before the, the unison forward motion. It didn't happen before the desire to give God praise. But when all of that aligned together, when they came to that place with the purpose and the desire and the longing to give God praise, the Bible says at that moment, the glory of God so filled the room that they could not continue what they were doing. God showed up. And I wonder, what would it look like if we, those that call Encounter Church home, what would it look like if we took the time Before we came into this place, we prepared our hearts. We got ourselves ready. We come in together and the worship begins and rather than talking to our neighbor, hey, how was your week? Worship's going on up front. Hey, how was your week? Oh, it wasn't bad. A pretty good week. Hey, coffee's good today. And we spend the first half of worship talking to our neighbor. We made seven trips out to the bathroom because we already drank three cups of coffee. What would happen if when we prepared ourselves, we got ourselves ready, we came into the house of God, and with one unison voice, we lifted our praise to God? I can tell you what would happen. The presence of God would so fill this room. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. God would begin to set the captives free. God would begin to restore hope in relationships. God would, would pour into your life. Healings would be established. But church, we've got to do our parts. We've got to get ready. We've got to choose to go all in. Would you pray with me today? Lord, right now. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.